Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Man, this is this is interesting because we kind of talked about this a little bit before the show. And it's like you can get a whole turkey for $5. Like I get that's a value. Anyone going to the stores right now, like, you know, like that's a value right now. But I'm not putting a whole turkey on my plate. Like I got no one for nothing else unless I have the table I am using as my plate. Like I don't I don't get that. We are in the mood for fantasy football. We are Pro Football Network. I'm your host, BJ Nadell, PFN's fantasy football director. With me, as always, is PFN fantasy analyst Tommy Garrett. Joining us again today, PFN fantasy analyst Jason Katz, better known as Katz. Uh, we're going to be talking about waiver wires today. Uh, this is a short week, uh, not just a short week in the normal sense, but a short week in that there's six teams playing on Thursday, as we all know. We're going to break this up into two segments. First segment is overall waiver wire topics. And then later, we're going to jump right into a concentrated dose of Thanksgiving waiver wires. Uh, first thing, QB waiver wires general going to you, Cats. Ben Roethlisberger comes up big. Uh, I uh, ridiculously did not pick him up when I needed a quarterback because I did not trust him. It did not seem ridiculous at the time. In hindsight, it was. Is the uh, old Big Ben back, or was that just uh, an anomaly, what he did against the Chargers? Obviously, we don't wish COVID on anybody, but you can't help but wonder if perhaps the week off gave him a chance to kind of physically get better, which seems strange dealing with um, a respiratory virus, but maybe his arm, his hip, his shoulder, his his pectoral, he's dealt with a, a number of maladies this year, and he definitely looked a bit more spry against the Chargers last week. He threw he threw 44 passes, which was his second highest attempt total of the season. Three touchdowns. I wouldn't say the old Big Ben is back, but he looks more he looks like he'll be more useful than he has the entire season. It is worth noting, Ben has thrown a touchdown in every game this season. So he's actually come with a decent floor. Maybe now that ceiling is back as well. Good call. The thing that I wonder about that is the Steelers fell down twenty-seven to ten, and they were out three of their like their top six defenders. Sorry, like five of their top six defenders. If they don't fall down twenty-seven to ten again to like a really high-profile team, I wonder if Ben is going to still have this kind of output. I think that's a very good point because the Steelers definitely want to be a running football running football team and prior, prioritize getting the ball to Najee Harris. So Ben's only throwing really when he has to. So if they have more positive game script or even neutral game script, we could see that passing volume. Uh, go back down to like in the, in the low thirties. It's shifting gears to uh, the saints, Tommy, uh, Trevor Simeon struggles uh, yep. is Taysom Hill now a prime target for uh, savvy fantasy managers. I would love to say yes, but it's even with taste, even with uh, Trevor Simeon playing the way that he has, he's still done enough to hold off Taysom Hill, even though he just got a massive contract for 
I guess the second time because he got one in the offseason and then gets this another weird one. Whatever. Different story, different day. Um, I guess my thing with Taysom Hill is we're just not seeing the uses that we saw last year. Like at one point he was a QB one for several weeks in a row. We thought he might have had that shot. If once a once a Jameis Winston went down, I thought he was going to be the guy. I mean, now I advocated for him on a waiver wire, and it just never came to fruition. Um, it's going to take Trevor Simeon going on an absolute nosedive, which could very well happen this week against the Buffalo Bills. Then they get the Dallas Cowboys later on after that. If he struggles for two more weeks, then I would think they would make the move and go to Taysom Hill. But so far, he's just not getting enough uses for me to be able to, to willing to roster. Good stuff. And Tommy, staying with you, Ramondre Stevenson, we've been talking about him for weeks. Now the question becomes, if he's available, especially in shallow leagues, 10-team leagues, uh, is, is is there a compelling need to roster Ramondre Stevenson in every league? Or is the concern that you've got him, but in most weeks, with Damian Harris on board, you can't trust Stevenson beyond RB3 numbers? I think RB3 is okay, though. I don't think you're going to be expecting too much more in this backfield. They're kind of splitting it up pretty much. But, look, Stevenson looked good. He had that one decent run last week where he kind of all of a sudden just put a jab step in, faked out the defender, and all of a sudden kind of cuts it back across the field. Like, he's showing some decent amounts of explosiveness. He's finished as a uh, RB2 or better in three straight weeks. Last week he had 10 for 69. Ends up does uh, get a single target as well for six yards on that reception. So it's he's getting some decent usage, and it's enough to where it's like, okay, I, it's probably warranted to go ahead and pick him up in case Damian Harris does either get some fumble issues, gets put in the doghouse, or picks up another injury like you saw earlier on in the season. So I mean, he's worth the addition right now just for the depth. Uh, Cats, you and I did a uh, piece on profootballnetwork.com a couple weeks ago where we did a point-counterpoint, who's the better back to roster uh, off waivers in Tennessee? Is it Adrian Peterson or is it Dante Foreman? Uh, It turned out we needed a third writer uh, because uh, Dontrell Hilliard uh, came through uh, with uh, Tennessee playing from behind in Week 11 and outplayed both of them. Uh, So the question now is, is Hilliard, who was a fourth-string running back uh, a few weeks ago, is he now uh, someone that fantasy managers should roster or was that just a one-time thing that we saw last weekend? I know I wasn't necessarily on board with Deontay Foreman or really Adrian Peterson being viable fantasy starts. I definitely didn't see Dontrell Hilliard coming. I know he, he had a, a bout of relevance a few years back on the Browns. Uh, last week, Hilliard caught 8 of 10 targets for 47 yards. He played 63% of the snaps. But it's also worth noting the Titans just had a, a – really bad game they, they did this previously against the Jets now apparently when they play the worst teams in the NFL they just can't figure it out it's hard to imagine a repeat of this uh, but against the Patriots they are touchdown underdogs perhaps negative game script again and it's also it's worth noting that uh, 27% of the receiving yards allowed by the Patriots have gone to running backs that is the highest rate in the league uh, so maybe there is something with Hilliard uh I wouldn't prioritize him personally on the waiver wire, but for those in need of possibly an RB3, I think that he's someone you it's someone you might want to take a shot on. The thing that I found that was interesting on this, this is a game where you didn't have Julio Jones and also A.J. Brown got banged up. We saw a similar thing happen with this back in week four, and who led the team with Jerry McNichols in targets that game was a running back out of the backfield. We just saw the same thing happen kind of again with this one where they go where they turn to another running back command of the backfield. So if they, send, if they end up having more receiver injuries, this could be a trend moving forward. Just an it's, a very good, it's a good point, Tommy. Uh, even more than interesting, I think it's key. Uh, Marcus Johnson goes out. Jeff Swain was, is out. 
you know, this was a team that was down to uh, their fifth and sixth best receivers. I mean, Chester Rogers, uh, you know, on the field uh, regularly, which is, uh, you know, Chester Rogers, give him credit, NFL player, uh, has had an extended career. Um, but, you know, if, if Tennessee is down to Chester Rogers at this stage, that's not a good sign. So Hilliard immediately became a top playmaker on the team. And that's not normally going to happen on this Tennessee roster. Um, with uh, wideouts, Cats, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, I think he had 10 targets, uh, led the team last weekend for the Packers. Uh, is he the number two? I and mean, we've all been waiting for him to get healthy and for him to establish himself. Alan Lazard was out. Or uh, was this a one-time thing and, and people shouldn't make the mistake of rostering him, starting him, and then getting six fantasy points? MVS does this every year. He has this one game where he gets a bunch of targets. He's had uh, two previous games with double-digit targets. In those games, he went 7 for 68 in a touchdown, 6 for 99 in a touchdown. Every once in a while, this happens. Last week, four catches on 10 targets, 123 yards, one touchdown. But what really did MBS do? On his other nine targets, he had three catches for 48 yards. If that's all he has, no one's interested. He just happened to catch a 75-yard touchdown. He's capable of that. If that is something you want to put in your lineup, hoping he gets that splash play because you need that upside, of course. We That's been Deshaun Jackson for the past three or four years. There's there's value in that. But if you're expecting anything consistent from Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I, I think you're going to be disappointed. That's it's interesting not- you brought up Deshaun Jackson because literally since Marquez Valdez-Scantling came into the league, the only player ahead of him in yards per reception average is Deshaun Jackson. Wow. There's a hot stat right there. Nice, Tommy. Um Sticking with you, Tommy, LaVisca Cheneau, uh for the Jaguars. Jamal Agnew's out several weeks. Yeah. Uh, we've got we've got a the potential. Season's over. For, yeah, that's right. Several weeks means the season is over uh, uh, for him. Cheneau and Marvin Jones, uh, are you picking up either of those guys or both of them in, let's say, a 12-team league, or is the Jags' offense not sufficient enough where even when Agnew leaves, you're still not confident that Cheneau or Jones can step up? I really want LaVisca Chanel to be a thing. I think we all kind of came into this season wanting LaVisca Chanel to be a thing. He did a decent job this week, caught all five of his targets, got, gets 50 yards. In, on the season, he's only been a wide receiver two or better only once. Even last week, he actually saw fewer snaps than Laquan Treadwell, which I thought was kind of interesting, even though he ended up actually running, I think, three more routes. Um, with Jamal Agnew out, like you kind of hope that LaVisca gets more involved in this offense, but you've already got... Um, Dan Arnold, who's playing really well, he's getting plenty of looks. They're probably going to feed Marvin Jones a little bit more, you would think, after he had a decent start to the season. Like, I would like to see LaVisca picked up. Um, maybe it's like a wide receiver four to wide receiver five kind of range. It's the lack of consistency is going to be the issue for fantasy managers. And at the wide receiver position, there are so many options that are out there that might have higher upside on a team that's going to score more points. So it's hard for me to get on board with Chenault unless he's going to be getting, you know, six to seven plus targets along with maybe a couple rushing attempts per game. And is Darn Arnold a must pick up? Yeah, Dan Arnold's a must pick up. I think he's been there for quite some time at this point. Because uh, once we kind of saw him after he gets traded from Carolina to them, he's kind of been all over the place uh, in this offense. Last week, it was a little bit of an anomaly in terms of getting zero targets. It looked before that point. I mean, he had eight, seven, ten coming after the bye week. Every one of those weeks, with 60 or more yards. I think he's going to be probably the highest volume player in this passing attack. 
Uh, and if you're in the tight end position, we know how much the there's a lack of depth beyond like the top six or so. Everyone else kind of streaming potential. Uh, Dan Arnold's absolutely a, a weekly streamer at this point. Yeah, I, I would caution fantasy managers against overreacting to Arnold's goose egg last week. Yeah. Week one, Mike Kosicki, no catches. Week 10, Mike Kosicki, no catches. No one's dropping Mike Kosicki. This is just, just happens to the tight end position occasionally. Yep. I wouldn't fret too much about Arnold. And uh, Logan Thomas, uh, must roster for you, Cats. Uh, Logan Thomas, uh, you know, this is a Washington team that uh, obviously needs playmakers. They've got a couple at, on their best day. Uh, is Logan Thomas a must roster, must start? We discussed this a little bit uh, back uh, yesterday when we recorded our waiver wire show or our recap show. Yeah, I like Logan Thomas a lot, the converted quarterback. He's been excellent at the tight end position. Earlier this season, didn't get off to the strongest of starts, but over the first three weeks, he played 100% of the snaps. And that has been a theme for the football team all season is their tight end, whether it's Logan Thomas, then Ricky Seals-Jones, and last week, uh, rookie John Bates. They play every snap. With Seals-Jones now out, if if and when Logos Thomas returns, he's going to play every snap. And if you can get a tight end playing every snap, that is immensely valuable. And we're going to get back to In the Mood for Fantasy Football Podcast coming up here in just a moment. But ladies and gentlemen, let's tell you about the sponsor of today's episode of In the Mood for Fantasy Football. And that is our good friends over there at X Chair. And ladies and gentlemen, if you need an office chair that is super supportive of positive posture, something that's going to be super comfortable when you sit in it, not to mention, what if I told you they throw in a massager and a heating element to it that helps you stay loose while you're sitting down in the comfort of your own home or in the office. X-Chair provides all that action for you. And as somebody who has had a lot of issues with sciatica and lower back pain over time, this has been something that has completely alleviated some of the pain that I've had. X-Chair is game-changing and it is the ultimate office chair that you need in order to feel comfortable sitting at home or at work. And you can go to xchairpfn.com now. That's letter X, chair, PFN. FN.com or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR for $100 off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. XCHAIRPFN.com. Good stuff. Switching to Thanksgiving. Tommy, DeAndre Swift, uh, With we're starting with the Bears and the Lions. DeAndre Swift's on pace for 323 touches which I think would put him around top five from last season, although we are talking about an extra game this year. But still, yeah. that's a lot of work for the second year back. He really has put this team on his shoulders. Uh, how important it is, is it for fantasy managers to roster Jamal Williams? If something happens with Swift, would Williams yeah, I think be a mark start? Yeah, I think part of it comes down to like the depth of your league. If it's at a shallow league, or a deeper in terms of your bench because you're, you're waiting on an injury to happen because outside of since week three, he hasn't Jamal Williams hasn't scored above nine fantasy points in a game. Uh, so you're really needing something to happen. Now, Grant, he's been dealing with a couple injuries, been banged up in and out of the lineup a couple times. Um, like he was a guy when I coming into the season, I was kind of higher on him than I think the consensus was. I thought he was I thought Jamal Williams was a guy who could have seen 200 touches this season, just given the usage of this team, Dan Campbell, everything he was coming out and saying. And the likelihood of them wanting to use both him and Swift kind of as a in a similar role. And to start the season off, we saw that. I think injuries have kind of have kind of laid it played into that. I don't think they would want to keep Swift with this kind of touch count moving forward. Granted, he he came in very with a lot of tread on his tires. Georgia loved to rotate backs in and out. So we never saw the workload of someone like, you know, Jonathan Taylor or these other guys that have came into the league here in recent years. Um, so I think Jamal Williams, he they want him to be a a feature in this offense to rotate in and out with DeAndre Swift. Um 
but it's you need you need an injury right now to be able to rely on Jamal uh, Jamal Williams. If something does happen, then yeah, Williams would probably be a must start RB two every week. Good stuff. And switching over to Chicago, there's more fantasy managers rostering Baker Mayfield than they are Andy Dalton. I think a good case could be made that Dalton's the better play at this point as long as he's starting. Cats, what are your thoughts on Dalton Thursday against Detroit? Is he a must roster in, let's say, a 14-team league, or is that overreacting? Outside of Superflex, I would not call Andy Dalton a must roster. But for what it's worth, 200 yards and two touchdowns in relief of Justin Fields last week in a low-scoring game, that's nothing to scoff at. Uh, He still completed uh, less than 50% of his passes. This is still Andy Dalton we're talking about. If you start him, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, but you're probably getting maybe you're hoping for 12 to 14 points and something like that. But in a four, even in a 14-team league, there's probably better options out there. And shifting over to the Cowboys game, uh, CeeDee Lamb, questionable to doubtful. Is Cedric Wilson a must-roster for you in most leagues, or is this a case where he's the fifth option, don't bother? It really comes down to CeeDee Lamb's status. We've been chasing that Cowboys third receiver kind of all season, and it really hasn't worked out. Even when Gallup was that guy in the first, uh, I think it was the first week, and then he got hurt, there there wasn't much there. It was just Amari and CeeDee. If it is CeeDee Lamb and Gallup this week, I'm not sure what there will be left over for Cedric Wilson. He did have seven targets last week, but again, uh, Lamb went down uh, in that last play before the first half ended, and they had no one left besides Gallup and Cedric Wilson. Uh, on ter- in terms of Lamb's status, uh, Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones seem to be very optimistic about how Lamb is doing. If if we remember back after the Cowboys bye, when Dak Prescott was supposed to play, they also were so sure he was playing all week. Dak's looking great. So what we need to accept is uh, the Joneses are not doctors, and that's what it'll come down to. If Lamb can clear the concussion protocol, he'll play. I'm still skeptical, but I think by the time you all listen to this, uh, you'll know one way or the other. If Lamb is active then there's no way Wilson is anything. But if Lamb doesn't play, then, uh, yeah, I think Wilson is definitely a viable streamer. And, Tommy, uh, going to the Raiders, is there any reason why people should be concerned about Brian Edwards uh, beyond the obvious that he had a goose egg on Sunday? Or is this a case where Edwards is still someone that savvy managers should be rostering and holding on to for later this season? I think I would still probably hold on to him. Uh, he did lead the team in snaps and also ran 23 routes. So it's kind of odd to see a guy run 23 routes and, and draw zero targets. Um, this Raiders offense is still trying to figure out their identity in terms of the passing game after losing uh, Henry Ruggs. Um, you have Darren Waller's the number one. You've got um, uh, Hunter Renfro as kind of like that, that first down, that chain mover. I mean, Brian Edwards, we know what he brought to this team. We've been hyping him since he came out of South Carolina. So we want to see him kind of take this step forward. Um, you can hold on to him, but once again, if if you're on the if you're kind of like needing to move a spot to pick up a guy who you think is an absolutely a must start play, I could see making a move to cut Brian Edwards. Like he's the fringe roster guy for me. And shifting over to the Saints, Adam Troutman, tight end, out four to six weeks with a sprained MCL. Is there any Saints receiver that you feel confident rostering, or are they all just guys taking up space? I don't feel confident rostering any of them. I think it's interesting how, like, Traquan Smith over the last three weeks is the wide receiver 18. I find that that's a little bit of an interesting thing because we all kind of wonder, like, you know, Traquan Smith, we all kind of said, like, okay, he's going to break out. No, he's going to break out now. No, he's going to break out this year. Like at a certain point, the guy's just never going to do it. They kind of are who you are. I feel like that way. That's with him. Like 
Deontay Harris and Marcus Callaway, I think they're interesting plays, but given the way the Saints offense has looked with Trevor Simeon, it's kind of a low-volume attack. It was low-volume when Jameis Winston was there, which I think is a little bit of a surprise to many people based off Jameis Winston's history. But right now, Sean Payton just kind of wants to run this offense through Alvin Kamara and kind of dink and dunk, and it's I just don't have a lot of confidence wanting to roster or start any Saints receiver right now. Maybe something changes if we do see a change of quarterback, but for right now, I'm kind of going hands-off. And Katz, uh, Matt Breida, can't believe we're talking about him, but we are. Uh, is he the most rosterable Bills running back at this stage, or am I completely overreacting to what he's done the last two weeks? I know we, we brought him up first after week 10, and we kind of just dismissed him because he only had six opportunities to touch the ball, but he scored twice and looked like he might be useful. But here we go again, uh, five carries, 51 yards. He had two targets in the game. He still played only 32% of the snaps. Uh, that was less than Devlin Singletary's 38%. Zach Moss down to 29%. I think that they should just phase out Zach Moss. He is clearly the third most talented running back on that team. And even that might be generous. I've never been a fan of Zach Moss. Three carries for five yards last week. Um, he's very close to being droppable. But as for Brita, it's hard to get excited about it. He still only had seven opportunities last week. Perhaps we could see an increase in that going forward based on how he's performed but it's hard to get any anything to take away concretely from a game the Bills lost 41 to 15. Do you think the issue with Zach Moss is is not so much just a talent thing, but fantasy constantly like wanting him to be a thing and like hyping up so much, kind of like what we did with um Clyde Woods Like you've had people who are just staunchly pro Zach Moss. And even though you have Josh Allen who's gonna steal carries back there, you have Devin Singletary. So is it is it an expectations thing or is it the talent or is it a kind of combination of both with Zach Moss? I definitely agree the expectations are are too high in terms of what people expect from Zach Moss. They always like their their new players, and Moss was drafted after, after Singletary, so they're all thinking, yep, he's he's the guy now. We believe in him. I've always been uh, more on the talent side of it. I don't want to disparage any guy making the NFL. Obviously, it's a tremendous accomplishment. These guys are all in the top 1% of athletes in the world, but I just don't think Zach Moss is, in, relative to other NFL players, is that good at football. And I, he's, he's at best a replacement-level talent, and there's just, uh, on a team that wants to throw the ball, he's not the guy. The Bills' backfield is a good example also for all of you listening of where fantasy points and what's happening on the field don't always align. Uh, you know, Zach Moss has been trailing Devin Singletary in running efficiency by over a yard per carry for most of the season. Uh, he's benefited by uh, getting more touchdowns. That's been the big difference. And, and we could uh, debate the merits of whether touchdowns are incidental, uh, which they are not, and earned, which they are not always, uh, so, you know, everyone earns their touchdown, but sometimes one player will get an opportunity like Daryl Williams for Kansas city, poaching Clyde Edwards Hilaire many times. Uh, it doesn't detract from the value that Clyde Edwards Hilaire brings. It's just situational. Um, and so I've always believed, uh, throughout this year that Singletary is the better back, but in fantasy Moss has been the better back. And now it's very interesting to see someone like Matt Breida who has bell cow experience. Uh, uh, coming in and looking better than both of them. It's a fascinating situation. Uh, they're going up against a, a Saints defense that up until last week was averaging only 3.2 yards per carry to opposing running backs, and then they got smashed by Philadelphia. So it's interesting to see what kind of team they'll face. Uh, but Breida is one of those sneaky guys that if you've got Singletary or Moss in particular, you want to roster Breida. Uh, I think if you don't have either – you're taking a chance with Brito that you might as well take with any any other running back who might be a handcuff and, and hope to strike gold. But as a hedge, I think he's useful. 
Um, I'd rather, thanks, I'd guys. Take a shot on Breda than Zach Moss. Yeah, well, that's uh, I'm with you on that. It's in terms of like, uh, let's say Jamal Williams or Breda. I might. Well, that might be a, a different one. In terms that's of Jamal a, Williams a, every day. A, a, a typical a handcuff for me, I would prefer over Matt Breda because I want I want a 10% to 15% chance of a top 20 running back. I don't want someone who's just every week I'm hoping gets a touchdown. Uh, I'd rather roll the dice with guys. Would you Um, rather have like Ramadre Stevenson or Matt Breida? Because we've talked about both of them now. Oh, Stevenson easily. Um, And and there for me, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a game script difference. It's a, it's a game. It's a usage difference. It's arguably a talent difference. Um, uh, Stevenson by far, I would, I would actually have Stevenson over Jamal Williams or most handcuffs. Uh, cause I think Stevenson is one of those backs who brings standalone value and would be an RB one if Damian Williams gets hurt. So I it's think like the other the one's interesting is with the jets losing Michael Carter now MCL sprain and you have Tevin Coleman or Ty Johnson. I think one of those guys are going to be an interesting waiver claim too. Do you do you trust one of them? Because I have Ty Johnson, I had Michael Carter. I don't know about Tevin Coleman. I just I'm having trouble trusting starting either of them. I think if you roster one of them, that's fine, and play the weight game and see what happens. Because you're still dealing with a low a low scoring team with the Jets, depending on what who have, ends up being the starting quarterback, whether it was Joe Flacco, whether it ends up being um, Zach Wilson again at some point. We'll see. Um, or they go back to Magic Mike White, which would be hilarious. Um, but it's, I, I kind of want to see a wait and see approach, see how, see how this is going to handle. Uh, they both pretty much ran the same amount of plays last week. You didn't see much of a difference in between the two of them. If you got one, hold them and kind of wait and see, but you're not plugging anyone in your lineup this week. We're going to shift gears now. Uh, uh, there is a, uh, fantasy football today, uh, has, uh, shared something. I've seen it in past years, by the way, it's a, it's a very cool, uh, build your Thanksgiving fantasy lineup with $20. Uh, and we're just going to take a quick minute right now, and uh, you're all going to get to know uh, Katz and Tommy and myself a little bit better based on our preferences. Basically, there's a main course and a potato dish and a side dish and another side dish because, of course, you got to have more than one, and then a dessert. And the uh, items are priced from $5 down to $1. You have $20 to spend. So, uh, Tommy, I'm going to start with you. You're the veteran of this podcast. Uh, and uh, what what's your perfect thanksgiving fantasy lineup with the foods that are available man this is this is interesting because we kind of talked about this a little bit before the show and it's like you can get a whole turkey for five dollars like i get that's a value anyone going to the stores right now like you know like that's a value right now but i'm not putting a whole turkey on my plate like i got no one for nothing else unless i have the table i am using as my plate like i don't i don't get that for me i'm gonna take the dark meat three dollars it's normally juicier i normally get better flavor on that one so i'll take the dark meat for three bucks um you got to go mashed potatoes with all of the butter possible um i'm going mashed potatoes and that one. there's another five so i'm eight bucks now you got to go stuffing stuffing is the 101 of thanksgiving sides like you can fight me on that fine i'm taking stuffing on that one uh so that puts me at at 13 i had to take my shoes off to do the math how to use my toes um <laughs> give me we never have it. We never have mac and cheese, but I'll take mac and cheese, I guess, because you never, mac you and never cheese. had it, or you never had it for Thanksgiving. We never have it for Thanksgiving. That's not a thing with my house. Like we never okay, did Thanksgiving. It's like ham. You, like we never did ham for with Thanksgiving. It was always like you, you had you had turkey. But, you know? but you've eaten mac and cheese before. Oh, dude, I love mac and cheese. Like, are you are you kidding me? <laughs> I just wanted to make <laughs> like, sure. I grew up on I grew up on Totino's pizzas and easy mac, and I still eat that today. 
uh, probably so that leaves you with, with pecan pie and carrot cake it looks like uh, is that you can yeah if i'm gonna choose between the two of them i'm absolutely taking pecan pie like i love my my dad's been working down in alabama for the past uh year and a half so we're getting some north alabama pecans those things are gold uh, so i'm taking pecan pie and i'm taking cornbread because uh, I can't afford the biscuits or the wine roll, so give me cornbread with that one as well. Fantastic. I'm going like shades of brown on my plate and cover that in gravy. <laughs> That's that is uh, that is Tommy in a nutshell. That's fantastic. Cats, what do you got? You're going to learn a lot about me right now because I'm going to start out with the plain white meat because that's how I like most of my foods, plain. That explains so much. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. That. It's like when you see that person, you go to you, you go to the bar with a friend and they, they make their order and you're like, okay, yeah, that tells me everything I need to know about them. You going for just the plain white meat, okay, yeah, I get it. You are the and white claw the, of this chat. The way you said it, too, it was, it was filled with pride and a little just, self-hate. Just go for the, just go for the tofurkey kind of thing. <laughs> I wouldn't go no, that no. This oh. is Katz's moment. What, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, no, Tommy nailed it. Uh, I get my, my burgers, just cheese and burger, nothing else on it. I just That's how I, that's how I roll. <laughs> Tommy's probably shaking his head right now. I wish you all could see him. <laughs> Hope you, you keep watching the video, you can. So we got the, the plain white meat for two bucks. Tommy nailed it with the mashed potatoes with a whole lot of butter. We're, we're, we're in lockstep there. Yep. So now we're at seven. Uh, Tommy says stuffing's the one-on-one. I mean, I love me some stuffing, but I cannot pass on the corn. So I got to go with the corn here and forego the stuffing. Tommy's disappointed again. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not helping him out here. <laughs> so, so we're if at 11 bucks like now. To join me on a fantasy football podcast. Please send your inquiries below because we don't have another <laughs> opening. <laughs> Getting kicked off my, uh, my food tastes. Uh, we're back in lockstep, though, with the mac and cheese. Love me some mac and cheese. Okay. One of my favorite uh, unhealthy. Now, do meals. you like the Velveeta style or do you like the baked? Like the creamy or like the, the cheese pool style? I prefer the baked. Okay. Is that is that a problem? It's still <laughs> carbs covered in cheese. You're not going <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, yeah, we're not. Uh, we're we're going to need to go to the gym after that one. So what are we at? We're at 11. We're at, we're at 16 now. Here's the problem with the desserts. Oh, I'm a chocolate guy. If the dessert is not yeah. chocolate, I'm not I'm interested. So of that, of those choices, I per, I, like, I do like apple pie. I'm not like Mac Jones where I dislike apple pie. Right? I mean, I, I like apple pie. I would choose that. That would leave me with nothing left over for any of the extra gravy, biscuits, Hawaiian rolls, or cornbread. But if if I for forewent the apple pie, I would take the biscuits, and then I just have two bucks left over, hopefully to buy something chocolatey. That's uh, I'm with you cats on that. You know, when I first saw this, I thought, well, I'd get four $5 pumpkin pies and that would be good with me. <laughs> and I'll just eat those over the next few weeks. But if I'm going to play along, I would say a whole turkey for five bucks. I would go roasted potatoes for two bucks. That gets me to seven. Uh, definitely the stuffing. I'm not going beets for a dollar. No offense to the beet family. Um, I've just never understood uh, the uh, cachet of beets. If anyone wants to tweet to us, and tell us why you love beets. We will. Um, we won't not. We won't delete the tweet. I'll put it that way. We will hope. We will keep it up there. We'll learn from it. I will silently judge you. Tommy will judge you, and I will. At least um, I'm honest about it. it. Yeah, Tommy, you are the most honest of the three. No, cats, you're the well. I think we're all pretty <laughs> honest people now that I think about it. We're all pretty blunt. Uh, so what do we got? Whole turkey, roasted potatoes, stuffing. Um, uh, I would go with uh, cream corn. 
just to save up and then I would get the uh, pumpkin pie and I'd probably get like some uh, something like I, I eat chocolate uh, bars every day. They're like 90% dark cocoa chocolate so they don't destroy my heart. Um, but I uh, down those like crazy. Um, and uh, so I'd have that with a side of pumpkin pie. I don't get corn. I don't get it. Like I'm from Indiana. You think I would love corn. I don't get it. It's, it's a waste I, I, unless I either want my corn in as a bread, as flakes, um, flakes surrounding a hot dog. Corn like, flakes, he's saying. That's about corn flakes, it. the cereal. Oh, thank you. I was like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to imagine Tommy at home. Like he's got oh, the flake corn dinner and he's like, all I have to do is flake some corn. And this is perfect. It's just, I've, I right, I'll back Tommy up here for, for years. I never got it with corn. But then I had some good like Mexican street corn and and then I got it. Yeah, there, I think corn is one of those things where it's like, I mean, you know that it's filler, but it's sweet filler. And corn so I, is the most unattractive food you can watch someone eat. I think beets are <laughs> less attractive. And I, I have watched myself eat one in the mirror and I was disgusted by myself. Why are you, you watch someone eat ribs in the mirror? I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Um, yeah, ribs. That's actually a, a good call. Uh, when we get to Valentine's day, we'll do our, uh, our rib menu. Um, cats, Tommy, holiday. thank you for, <laughs> for all your great work. Um, uh, uh, bring in your knowledge, uh, bring in the stats, uh, bring in your insights. Um, so many of us learn so much from you. Uh, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. All of you listening, we learned so much from you. Thanks for your questions, your comments. Uh, have an amazing Thanksgiving. If you do not celebrate Thanksgiving, enjoy your week. Um, reach out to us anytime. We are here for you. And we will see you again this weekend on this very podcast.